Welcome back to another episode of Rambling One-on-One. I'm your host, Steve Tranzo. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the importance of studying history. Albany State's motto is a past to cherish and a future to fulfill. Knowing where you come from gives you an idea of where you are potentially heading. I have Dr. Joshua Butler, Assistant Professor in History, here to give us a general history lesson. How are you doing today, Dr. Butler? Doing great. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. Could you give us, uh, could you introduce yourself and give us the background, a little background information on your journey to ASU? Yeah, so um, I grew up in southwest Georgia, so this is uh, home. I've been to this campus many times. I remember the flood and the white trailers. Um, so just kind of worked out that I was lucky enough to be back here to work. Um, but, you know, when I went to college, it wasn't to, to study history. Mm-hmm. I think that, that I can relate to some of the high school uh, students or former high school students who come and aren't really a fan, and I have some thoughts on that as well. Uh, but once I went to college, you know, I tried to take all the classes that sounded fun, so it took a while to get back to history. But when I showed up into one of the classes, um, I was just hooked. I, I was learning things that... Uh, I didn't know, which which is something that, that still excites me to this day, or I'm learning things that I already knew, which makes me feel like super smart, uh, which is something I also enjoy doing. Um, I had not really read much at that point, um, but I remember taking a class on U.S. history since 1945, and they gave me a book, and I just I couldn't put it down. And and the rest, uh, as they say, is history. Like I, I went there, I finished that degree, uh, went into the master's program and then PhD at Florida State in uh, with a focus in African American history and um, and now I'm here. Okay, I maybe shouldn't say this on this podcast. However, <laughs> in college, history was the only class that I cheated in. <laughs> <laughs> so, what made you uh, want to study and teach history? Well, I mean, it's as far as studying history. Again, it was just this idea that there was a lot of things that I didn't know. I mean, I went to a very small high school. This is one of the things I bring up in my class when I try to talk about the background. I always ask students, how many people did you graduate high school with? And it's always 300, 500, 700. I'm like, well, I graduated with 67. So very small school. Um, but in that graduating class, I mean, we have engineers. I mean, we, we have um, politicians. We, we have a, a great example of what a small school should be. Um, I'm not, some days I count myself in that category and some days I don't, but again, it was just learning these stories. And, uh, I think that's the big disconnect between, let's say high school history or middle school history is that it's all about facts and people and events. And when you get to college, it's about stories and lessons and outcomes. And that's what keeps me entertained. Okay. So, um, with students coming to college, come from different walks of life, which you have already spoken uh, to briefly, why is it important to study history? Well, I mean, I think that it's very important. And, and of course, I can also sympathize with the students because, you know, you deal a lot with these first-year students fresh out of high school. And what majors do they want, right? They want mm-hmm. forensic science. They want criminal justice, mass communications, nursing. And what do all these have in common? they're not mainstream history, I mean, uh, high school classes, right? They're not the history, the math, the Spanish, the the science. They're not the core classes that they are just kind of forced to go through every year in high school. It's something that is abstract out there and like, oh, 
I can go learn something new. I can, I can do this. And I think that's a big part of what we face here is, again, A, they're burnt out on what they think history is. And uh, we have to try to mold that. And we have some great uh, uh, history professors here um, who do that. But we're really up against a, a very big battle of trying to make something that they don't think is entertaining entertaining right mm -hmm. um so for me it's i always have to press that everything has a history you know and so in some of my more mature classes i have a game called the breakup right so we give out information on these fictional characters about why this couple breaks up and again as you go through the game you know it becomes more and more apparent uh, apparent that this is a history game and not just something that we're doing to cut class and so it's about that. It's it's about the story, the narrative, and, and the outcome of everything having a history. And I think that is what makes it so important. Those critical thinking skills, those communication skills, um, those written skills that you gain from this. I, I always like to tell my, my students that uh, you can always tell a student who's taken multiple history classes because mm -hmm. it's hard to lie to them, right? Because they see the world in a different way. Um, and you know, and whether I do it the right way or not, that's that's questionable. But I always ask, like, you know, has there ever been someone who's lied to you about, you know, uh, from a, well, from a, you know, position of authority? Have they lied to you, or have they taught you something that you turned out or that you found out wasn't exactly accurate, right? And and so you kind of make your leeway into that, like, well things didn't happen exactly how you think they did. Mm -hmm. And so let me tell you the story. And I, I always hit out in the first two weeks, you know, I may not know everything, but I won't lie to you about that. I'll give you exactly, exactly the history as I know it. All right, so you being one of the greatest history professors on campus, I'm <laughs> saying that you all, the students love you. Uh, and everything, you mentioned that everything has a history and seeing the world um, in different ways how does that um, contribute to a well-rounded education? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's important to do that because, again, what do students say? I don't like history. Mm -hmm. You know, well, what does that really mean? Like, I, I don't. Well, I think what it means is they don't like a history class that they've taken, or they don't like a history teacher or professor that they've taken, or I don't like to read, which means I don't like to read books, but I'll spend all day on social media oh, reading yes. all day. So it's all about that context, right? And what we have to do is figure out how we get that information across, right? And I enjoyed math in high school. And the one thing that I remember from math is to reduce things to their simplest terms. And so another approach that I take in class is I don't try to give them any information that I don't plan on testing or asking or assessing, right? So I also teach in a style where I ask a lot of questions. It, you have to participate in order to get that. So I'm bringing you in, right, to take ownership of where the class is going, right? And so uh, over the summer, for an example of, of this learning history in kind of a different way, it was towards the, the end of class, and the students thought I just let the class get off the rails. So we started talking about relationships, right, and what people, you know, do you trust the other person, do you not trust the other person, um, and what role does that take? And I'm like, all right, well, y'all go. And then they came back the next day, and they, they thought they had defeated me, right? They got me to break character. 
And then I was like, well, let's get back on the topic of relationships. What if it's not lie? What if, what if somebody does something, you know, and um, it's true. So I gave this example of a woman who owns a business, right? And someone comes into that business and harasses them, right? And their significant other finds out about it and then something happens, you know, is it your fault? And they're all like, no, 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 it's not your fault. You know, they did it. And, and then we turn that lesson right into Emmett Till, right? So now we have an, a real life example of where, depending on which version, because there are multiple versions of Emmett Till, um, which is also another way where I was like, well, history isn't one thing. You know, so we know that he goes to the store. We know that she claims to have been harassed in one way or another, and we know what happens to him, right? And so now I have all these students backtracking like, oh, yeah, she's responsible for that, you know, whereas just a few minutes ago, if they were to put themselves in that position, right, it was a different story. And so that's what I like to do. I like to keep history alive, right? I mean, that's obviously not the perfect example because that is such a tragic event in history. But if you can relate to something, if you can try to put yourself in that driver's seat, um, you're gonna see it in a more meaningful way, I believe. And then we keep riding that out to what it means to have a jury of your peers and things. So, I mean, we hit Emmett Till really hard, but I, I think it's very important that you find that personal element that brings them into the story. Otherwise, I mean, if I'm just talking about Emmett's Hill for 30 minutes, they're probably just going to have a bad day yes. and then let it go. Absolutely. Um, I like the way you said correlating history and relationships and keeping it alive. Mm -hmm. uh, so does you, uh, do you think uh, understanding the different perspectives and culture helps shape individual cult cultural identities? I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, again, I try to to maintain a, an atmosphere of inclusivity right what because you know i let them know we're going to tackle some pretty deep topics you know i think the word now is triggering topics mm -hmm. and so i always put myself out there first right uh, being a white professor at an hbcu i always try to pick on someone either who looks shy or someone who's ma making jokes and i put them on the spot on day one and I always ask them, like, what do you, you know, what do you think I had for dinner last night? What, what seasons do you think I have in my cabinet? How, how do I cook my chicken, right? Yes. I, I ask these questions so that I'm, I'm the butt of the jokes, right? So they, they feel more comfortable with me and mm -hmm. putting it out there because we have to break down these barriers. And I think that a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's 2023, uh, which is, you know, astounding, but a lot of people still have not eaten in the home of someone from a different, you know, ethnicity or background or, or, you know, regardless of whether you're talking about wealth, sexual orientation, religion, people tend to stay in their own little bubble. And I think it's important in college that you step outside of that. You know, I think when it comes to religion, you know, one of the best classes I took was on world religion, so I could learn more about other cultures. So now I have something to base my own beliefs on, right? And um, we have an opportunity to do that, you know, in a, in a small way. It may only be a week at a time, but definitely stepping outside of your cultural comfort zone and embracing what someone else has to offer is a huge part of really the college experience because, you know, you're going to meet people who think differently than you. Uh, you're going to meet people 
uh, who may look exactly like you, right, and be completely different. And that's why I always break down what exactly is culture, right? It's the food that you eat. It's the religion that you have. It's the movies that you watch, the music you listen to. You could um, have five brothers and sisters and be completely different for them. They're, your cultures can be completely different. And, and I think that's a huge part of a well-rounded education is, is getting to know people who are different and not necessarily feeling sorry them, but understanding them, where they're coming from. And, and just really, you know, take ownership of that and appreciate the different lifestyles. Uh, and you uh, mentioned, like, you can have five brothers, brothers and sisters and be totally different. I have four siblings, and we are totally different <laughs> than each other, like, totally different. Uh, so uh, talking about triggering topics and breaking down barriers when it comes to the conversation surrounding history, do you think uh, studying history help us repeat past mistakes? Why, why not? Well, I mean, I think that it's important. Um, of course, you know, I mean, I, I like to read a lot, right? So um, you always want to read on things that, that shape your life, right? So when I was in high school, the, the Columbine shooting happened, right? And that really kind of defined, I'm nowhere near Colorado, right? But it still shaped the way that I saw the world. And, and when that book came out, you know, I read it. And... Of course, it did not make me want to go and repeat that mistake that they had, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that, but what I did want to do is try to understand how something like that could happen, right? And I think that's a huge difference. I think that if people want to repeat something, there's really nothing you can do to stop it, right? I mean, even if we look at fiction, Stephen King has a book called Rage where there's a school shooter and somebody who you know, performed one of those acts uh, had his book in, in their locker, and so he banned the book himself. He's like, well, if that's the way it's going to be, I don't want that to happen. So I think that if someone has it in their mind, they're going to repeat that, you know, they're going to do that. But I think that for the most part, people just really seek understanding and trying to figure out why certain events happened. Um, you know, the Charleston church shooting, right? I mean, uh, that uh, just, uh, I mean, with the pandemic, that kind of feels like it just happened, but I know it's been a few years, and we still don't really understand exactly the motivations that were there. And for me, it is that understanding that why question. That, that's what motivates me to learn these topics. But again, sometimes there's always going to be people who want to repeat certain things for, for negative reasons. Um, so that's a huge part of what we have to, to overcome. But there is definitely a balance between that because I think most people who want to learn is that why factor, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, so we may not fully understand why something may happen or take place, um, but do you think a learning about historical events and their impact on society um, helps structure the future in a way? Well, I mean, I certainly think so. I mean, that's kind of um, what I'm doing with uh, my research, right? The, uh, the Reconstruction race riot that I'm studying and writing on now happened in 1868, right? And there's no way to duplicate everything that happens, right? Because um, that was the first vote. Well, if we, if we go back to the Constitutional Convention of, of that began in 1867, it was the first time that black men could vote, right? Now, um, again, there's no way to duplicate that scenario because black men have been voting for some time, or at least have the ability to vote for some time. 
But I think we can still understand that there are issues getting people to the polls, right? It may not be riots. It may not be um, really anything that's, that's threatening, you know, in, in that kind of bodily harm way. But there are still laws on the books that try to limit that. You know, there are still ways in which people try to, you know, limit, you know, whoever they deem as the other from getting that. And, and that's where we've seen the rollback in the, you know, the 1965 Voting Act, you know, and, and measures in the, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. There's been a certain political party that have been trying to roll that back. And, and the Supreme Court recently uh, says that race cannot be a factor in college admissions anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's still very much a factor that we have to, to deal with. And I think that I'm looking to the past to try to understand how did we get here, right? And um, there are hundreds of examples running through my head right now, but um, just just one of them off the top of my head. We always debate Abraham Lincoln and his intentions, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the last things that he did before he um, was assassinated was talk to the Harper's Weekly, one of the, the leading newspaper outlets at the time, where he contemplated pushing emancipation back to 1900, you know, from 1865 to 1900. And when I get to that point and we're discussing um, Lincoln, and it's important that I don't bring my ideas into it. I just mm-hmm. give them the facts, let them talk about it. But I always bring up the fact that if we're pushing back the end of slavery 45 years, right, and everything else happens in the same chronological fashion, the civil rights movement is going to be the year 2000, 2000 right? Yes. So, I mean, just how this one decision that could have had an impact, you know, on, on where we are now and made things worse, right? How closer we could be to history, you know, because if, it, if he wasn't assassinated, where would we be right now? Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, you know, everyone has an opinion. And that's where I kind of run into the idea that he's this great emancipator. Right. That 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 troubles me, you know, but that's the way it's taught. And you kind of have to peel back the layers and let them make up their decision. I can't go in there and just be like, I hate Lincoln. You should hate Lincoln or, or I love Lincoln and you should love Lincoln, um, because that is what is handing the reins over to you. Because great. if I just go in there and say, we're all going to love Lincoln. You're going to be like, well, that was my high school class. We're just going to, you know, we're going to have that effect. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important, uh, just important as understanding the past as understanding, understanding the present, right? Again, history may be behind on understanding the events, whereas more current things like political science, you know, may have answers a little faster. Um, but we just like to take a deeper dive and understand how we got to a point and, um, and so that, again, to me, is what keeps it fresh and, and ever-changing. You know, so every time I go into a class from one semester to the next, even if the name stays the same, the class is always different. You just put history into perspective for me in just this <laughs> moment with pushing it back 40 years and where we would be today if that would have happened. Wow. So what part of history do you find most interesting? Well, um, I started out you know, a 19th century historian, right? Mm-hmm. I always thought that um, that Reconstruction and the Civil War were these huge turning points that happened, right? That always fascinated me. Not necessarily the battles. I'm, I'm not a, um, 
you know, I, I don't, I can't tell you all the ins and outs of the Maryland campaign, for example, off the top of my head. You know, I have those notes for when I teach the class, but that's not what brings me to uh, the Civil War and Reconstruction. I, I like, you know, more of uh, an everyday approach, like, you know, what happened, you know, to the enslaved people, what happened to the soldiers, you know, so I kind of have this social perspective of the war right um what's happening on the home front you know what's happening with the slave rebellions and so that was always a fascinating part to me you know civil war and reconstruction and then in 2011 i was invited to a talk at the albany civil rights institute where they were doing um it was i believe the the 50th anniversary of the formation of the Albany uh, Civil Rights right. Movement under William Anderson, you know, and because uh, he was the president, because he was the doctor and, and he had black patients. So if he was locked up, it wouldn't affect his income, right? And I was, as a student in high school, you don't think, well, they had to protect their livelihoods, but when you start learning about it, they do. And I just remember being in that room, you know, with, with the late Charles Sherrod and all these other people who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and and they're in this, the room with, with me, you know, a, a white kid from southwest Georgia, and I'm learning. And in that moment, <laughs> my love for 19th century joined with 20th century, right? So I label myself as a 19th and 20th century historian because of what happened in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote my dissertation on southwest Georgia race relations from 1850 to 1980 because of just one evening just being in the right place and just being moved right to extend my area of expertise and my one of my goals is still to write you know the history of the civil the civil rights movement in southwest georgia because that book does not exist uh right now and matter of fact in my office i i have um the transcript for the albany nine court case right which is also something that kind of puts the idea of civil rights on its head like, and so we have these history things that happen, you know, just a few miles from where we're sitting right now. And those stories have yet to be told. So that's fascinating to me. So I would label myself a 19th and 20th century historian. Now, if I had you as a professor in college, I may not have cheated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last question for you, what does Ramley means to you? Well, I mean, that's a huge part of it. I mean, um, it, it's an experience, right? Once you get, um, hired right so i i show up at the um at the human resources over on west campus and there was a gentleman there and it's like as soon as i walked in i had my family i don't know it's like we were taking a i don't know a picture like we won the lottery but i had my whole family there and i walk into the building and it's almost like they expected me this guy was standing over in the corner and he's like welcome to the ramley as if he knew like mm -hmm. i was some new hire that was there to sign their paperwork which i was so maybe he did i'm not sure but um so that immediate um kind of uh, accepting right is a huge part of it but also before i was hired i worked with the president when we were trying to get the names of certain buildings uh changed on the college mm -hmm. Uh, campuses across the state so I was familiar with her she was familiar with me so um, knowing the president you know really makes you uh, kind of feel like yes. you're part of something because I know people who teach at other colleges in Georgia and they've they've been there for years and never yeah, met the president right and so I, I knew her going into it 
but even that, I mean, the, the, the faculty that I work with, right, they are really advanced in what they do, and, and I am just such a joy to be a part of that. And if I boil that down uh, to the University College and Anchor, right, program, you know, I won the Emerging Junior Faculty Award for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that I team teach or co-teach with, uh, she is Dr. Baxter, who won that same award the year before, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, not only am I a part of a Ramley, I'm, I'm part of an award-winning <laughs> Ramley when it comes to the university college. And and just so many ways that we can connect with, with other people. Now, I've worked at colleges before I got here and 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 other other places but uh there are so many people here but it seems like everybody knows each other even Mm -hmm. if it is just by your name or or an email uh people really seem to not only genuinely take an interest in you but actually care about your success and want you to stick around because you know and one of the things they don't really teach you in grad school is is really about the tenure process and what you have to do to to keep the job. Like mm-hmm. they're just like, here's what you have to do to get out there and get the get job. The job. Um, but all it really takes is someone or a group of people to not like you and try to block you out. But you know, I, I don't see that happening here because everyone that I've met has been so supportive of me and my endeavors, and they kind of joke on me because you know on Wednesdays I bring my family up here so we <laughs> we can eat mm-hmm. over there, and they're like. Oh, Dr. Butler, he's the one with the baby carriage, you know. Um, but, I, you know, it's such a family that I, I want my family to be involved mm-hmm. in. It. My, my wife is going to finish up with her second degree. She's going to get a, a B.A. in English, finishing uh, next spring and, and graduate next May. And then, then we'll have an alumni in the house. Mm-hmm. And so then we'll be not only the faculty Ramley, but the alumni oh, Ramley. Man. And so it, it's, it's, it's infectious. Um, when you're here, you want to be here. Yeah. I, and I haven't had any Kool-Aid, so I haven't <laughs> drank any Kool-Aid, but, um, but, but I certainly feel like I have. Um, Hearing that is, is refreshing to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the right side of things. <laughs> but as we wrap up the show, in two seconds, give a first-year student the best advice you can give. Show up to class and do your work. I mean, I know... And I'm going to go over two seconds here, but if there's That's a reading, fine. just read. Like... I, the excuses needed are going to be checked at the door. I don't like to read. I don't want to read. I overslept. Uh, we got to get out of that excuse mindset and put your energy into effort. You know, I, I feel like with, with my students, I always tell them, look around the room. This is who you're competing against, with, against for scholarships. Why are you going to let somebody else outwork you, Right. You know, and I always like, how many people love their name? I, I love my name. Well, why would you put your name on something you didn't try on, right? Make your name count on something, you know. So if you can exchange excuses for effort, this is the place for you. And I'm going to use that in my next podcast because <laughs> uh, it's, it's about uh, promoting your brand. So okay. I'm going to use that analogy. But the name part, we yeah. want to put your All I need something. is 5% of the T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Importance of Studying History. I appreciate you for joining and sharing with us um, and giving your advice on the importance of studying history. Uh, we are all connected to some part of history, and one day we will all be a part of history. Which side of history do you want to be on? That's a wrap. Until next time, over and out. Peace out, Ramley.
Looking to start a podcast? Anchor is a free app that helps users create, edit, and publish their podcast free of charge. Yes, it's free. You can also make money with Anchor by collecting listener contributions or adding advertisements into your episodes. So head over and download the Anchor app so that you can start creating content for your people to view.